0: Hey folks, this is Ian Foster, and this is If and When, a podcast where I talk to other creators about how and why they do their thing. To start, I'm talking to colleagues, friends, and veterans of the arts community at home here in Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. These are not so much traditional interviews as they're a chat over coffee or something a little stronger. So come sit in and have a listen. Hello again. This is If and When, and this is part two of my conversation with Fergus O'Byrne. If you missed part one, go back in the app, check that out, and we pick up right where we left off in that conversation. A couple of quick housekeeping things before we get into the conversation. We're continuing our tour around Newfoundland at the moment. Uh, All the venues are up on the website, which you can check out at ianfoster.ca, and you can get tickets to the shows, which would be super cool, and we hope to see you there. Okay, we're going to jump right in here. Here's part two of my conversation with Fergus O'Brien. I saw Richard Thompson speak at a keynote uh, last year at Folk Alliance, wow. and one of the things that I, I stuck with me that he said was how he regularly goes back for inspiration to some of the really old folk songs, and and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but it was something along the lines of he said the the greatest thing about him for inspiration is that all of the the mediocre verses were phased out centuries ago. Yeah, and I thought that was well, really clever. You know,
1: that is a clever observation. Actually, it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, and it's it's
1: it's true. You go. I mean, uh, you know, it's, as I come to mind, you know, when I'm when I'm singing on stage and introducing a song, I always. You know, some of the songs I sing, there's, uh, there's one particular song that uh, uh, is probably my favourite uh, of all the songs I sing, and it's called The Night Visiting Song, and it's uh, from Scotland. And I always introduce it as being before Twitter when people could express themselves in length as to how they felt about each other. <laughs> you know, and, you know, there's, there's some just fabulous poetry lines in, in the song. And it, um, it holds true for a lot of those songs, that the, the poetry uh, written by whoever wrote them. Obviously, somebody wrote them. And, you know, even if you, you know, I, I, going back to what I was saying about, oh, I've got to sing that song again. But, I mean, when you think about it, a song like, for example, the Black Velvet Band, for that to be still sung and to be still enjoyed by a general population, a song that was written, I don't know how many years ago, maybe hundred years ago, maybe fifty. Who knows? But it's uh it's an old old song, and it still holds. Why? Why does that I, work? I, because it's a great story. Yeah. Uh, there's a great melody to it. There's a great a great rhyme. It's uh, and I think the story. It's it's a story of uh, of a young person uh, getting involved. With it, with a, a robbery, and then they're sent off to, because through no fault of their own, according to the song, they're sent off to prison for a crime they they supposedly didn't commit. Mm-hmm. Now, who knows when the person wrote the song? Maybe they were pissed off with, uh, their their partner who got them involved in the crime or whatever. But it's just the song holds. The song holds up. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, you know, for example, in in. Um, uh, in in the uh, the the, <clears throat> the the one about the uh, the the night visiting song, um, the, like the 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 lines, there's, there's a couple of lines in it. Uh, and when the small clouds began to grow, um, let me see if I will start off. Um, he they he saddled and mounted, and away did go. I'm trying to think of the verse. Uh, uh, she raised her head from her dancing pillow. She's raised her up now. She's let him in. And they were locked in each other's arms until the long night was past and gone. And when this long night was past and over when the small clouds began to grow He's taken her hand they've kissed and parted He saddled and mounted and away did go. I mean mm. poetry of that is just yeah, absolutely. super super great description, I mean you can you can see it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to, you know, uh, note it in my, my phone to ask you the the painful question of what makes a good song. And I say painful as in, you know, I mean, what the hell is the answer to that? But yeah. yet I'm still going to ask it regardless. <laughs> yeah. Well, again,
1: and the first, the first verse in that song, the first verse is repeated at the end. And the first verse I sing, I must away now, I can no longer tarry. I must, do aw- I must away now. I can no longer tarry. No, I can't remember. But uh, I will be. The last line of that verse is, uh, "I will be guided, without a stumble, into the arms I love the most."
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's you yeah. Write, you know, I'm you th- not a writer either. Dan, that's the that's the one. I guess I was going to say that earlier on. I, I'm not a... Uh, I don't write songs. I, I can write music, and I, I do write uh, melody and stuff like that. But um, but I don't write songs, and I think I'm... I, so I gravitate to, to words in songs, and uh, I sort of consider myself a, an interpreter
0: of other people's work, mm-hmm. especially traditional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find uh, it's... It's so interesting to look at that side of uh that side of folk music, you know. I think about the fact that listening to you sing that song, it's a beautiful song. Like chordally those songs feel, you know, they're it's the three chords and the truth thing. They yeah. all Bob Dylan, but many people before him probably quote, right? It's it's like melodically those songs can fit with that sort of like one four five progression or one four five six or or and they and because the melodies are not, you know, deeply complicated by crazy accidentals or anything. There's there's You could substitute all kinds of chords in there yeah. and it, it can work, you know. And it, it means that, you know, they can be accessible to be played by people who don't have 10 years of experience playing an instrument, which makes them accessible to the public to learn and share. I don't know. I think about all of that stuff when it comes to why those songs have lived 400 years, 600 years, you know. Like yeah. the story you just sang is the story of half of Bruce Springsteen's catalog. He's basically just been rewriting that song in his catalog for years. Well, wasn't
1: it, wasn't it, uh, not Mick Jagger, what's the other fellow's name? Uh, Keith, Keith Richards said,
0: uh, Adam and Eve wrote the first song and we've been ripping them off ever since. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, I guess it comes back too, to there only being, that's that's a film thing, right? Is that there's only X number, I forget the number, right? But there's an X number of kinds of stories, right? And yeah. that, like every story can fall into those kinds. And then it's just how well you tell them, you know? Um, but there's so many songs in the world. So it always fascinates me why certain ones seem to survive uh, and live for just so much longer than maybe others do.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, again, I, it goes back to personal choice of of the song and also... Just the story and how it's told and how it's worded. Like, there's, you know, there's another song I sing from, um, from uh, uh, Charlotte Decker. Uh, she, she sang it. She was from the, the Great Northern Peninsula. And she sings a song about Waterloo. And uh, one of the verses is, uh, is, "'It was eight o'clock in the morning when the battle did commence, and every man with sword in hand did stand his own defence. The first shot came. My arm had swung. How loudly I did ball! The next shot took my leg from me, and on the ground I fall. Hmm. I mean, are in in one verse you've got just how horrific war is. Mm-hmm. And the funny the, the song about that the, the story about that song is that the very very first verse, it's in the merry month of June. I went forced to convince my love all in her youth and bloom. The press gang lay in ambush and up to me they drew. They forced me from my true love's hand to fight in Waterloo. And the rest of the song describes how he's mangled (laughs) in Waterloo. Right. And that's the story of you know, you talk about Vietnam, you talk about Iraq, anything. Just an ordinary Joe on the street, all of a sudden here he is, out fighting for some king or some cause that he has nothing to do with. And he's his arms are shot off, and he ends up on a pension.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's, uh, it's uh, you know, but it's just uh, the 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 story of it is is just so forever. It's uh, you know,
0: I do know what you mean. I I think about that regularly when it comes to, because I kind of keep my feet in a number of different genres, you know, because I produce records for artists who are much more in the pop genre than yeah. than I would ever be. And there's different sort of rules for, you know, there's this attitude of like vagueness and universality in the lyrics in, in pop music. I mean, that's a stereotype. Obviously, not all pop music is that, but that is, yeah. you know, uh, and you see that bleeding through in some like the new country genres where there's this attitude of like universality or And universality, I'm even using that word incorrectly in describing this because I don't think that that stuff, I wouldn't call it that in the way that I'm thinking about it right now. I'm I'm thinking about, I guess, maybe some of those genres emphasize like a, a vagueness in the lyrics in the hopes that it will connect to more people. And I've never personally believed that about songs. I believe, like when you're singing that song about Waterloo, That would be a level of specificity that maybe some of those people would go, well, we can't sing a song about Waterloo. Waterloo happened a long time ago. Meanwhile, when you sing that to me, the fact that it's about that and the specifics of the lyrics make it connect to me even more. Because it feels like a real story that happened. And I'm smart enough as a listener to go, I can see how there's universality to this. Like, I can see that even though this is about Waterloo, it's also about every battle that's ever happened. Oh,
1: yeah. You know. And it's, it's like, uh, you know, it goes back to uh, talking about myself and Jim Payne touring. Like, we've had people ask us now, well, OK, well, when you went to Australia, did you, what's, what, did you sing Australian songs? And I said, no, we sing songs about Newfoundland. And, and we feel that there's a, there's a certain amount of the population out there, who, like us, who are curious about other parts of the world. And by us going and singing and talking about Newfoundland and stories of Newfoundland, people are learning, and people then relate it back to their own, their own, uh, their own state of life and 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 an environment and whatever. So it's um, you know you're you're not setting out to educate people, but you're you're certainly setting out to to uh, to give people a new experience, mm. not to sort of bring it down to the lower level so everybody's going to say, oh, you know, it's, it's you're looking to, to, to give them an experience, your experience of life, as well, if I'm talking to somebody when I meet them, wherever in the world, I want to hear about them. I want to hear about their background, their story.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Now, with that said, uh, were there ever moments in your career related to that? And, you know, for ex- instance, you went to Australia, you sang your songs, you know, uh, were there ever moments where before that faith was validated by the experience, the turnout, whatever, did you ever have those moments where you're about to go do what you do somewhere and go, how's this going to go? Like, is this going to work in this place? Is this going <laughs> to? Every night. How's
1: this going to work? Of course. going to listen to this? No, I mean, you, you just go and do it and hope for the best and you see what happens. I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Totally. Sometimes you'll sing to a thousand people and the next night you might be singing to 10 and that's just the way it goes. And if you, if you, if you're in the business long enough, you'll begin to realize that it's, it's just the way it is. Absolutely. You can't, unless of course, obviously, if you're, you're in, in, in the top of the line and, and you know, you're, you're attracting thousands all the time, but you know, you and I both know you go on the road. Sometimes you have a great night and sometimes you're, you're just really plugging it away. They're just trying to get through the night. But, uh,
0: you know... As and so many factors to the success or yeah, failure of any yeah. night.
1: But yeah. as Jim Payne always says, uh, if there's more people in the audience than there are on stage, it's a show.
0: <laughs> That's why I play solo so much.
1: No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, joking. Right, yeah, well... Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I I, I think about, um, well, related to that same discussion of, of, of sort of... Uh, you know singing what doing what you do elsewhere, a watershed for me in the last year and a half, even after the last fifteen years of touring, was going to uh, this little village in Italy, and it was uh you know the Booker was you know the translator for the show like there was very you know very little English, there's some but very little English spoken there and and I played the song I wrote about Ron, you left a song mm. there and as I was singing it, I, I, I didn't have any doubt that I would sing it. It's a song I sing every night. But in my head, I was almost like laughing at myself that I'm like, okay, Ian, you're in this little village in Italy and you're after telling this story and singing this song about a Newfoundland songwriter who's a legend here, but unknown there. And it specifically references his songs in this song. Like, what are you doing? In a funny way, you know, you're sort of like, if you were going to put down on paper something that may not work this would probably be at the top of it in terms of just accessibility. But it turned out to be one of the highlights of the show. And I think, I mean, we did have a translator. People had context for what the song was about. But there's something in that song that these people related to, even though they didn't even know the original subject of the song. And it just, I don't know, it it gave me a lot of faith in the process of of sharing music for people. But
1: that goes then beyond the song itself. It goes to the passion of the deliverer. Mm -hmm. In your case, it's your song, so you're delivering it and you are feeling the song and your emotion is coming through. Mm. Uh I feel even though I don't write my own material uh every time I sing a song mm. uh, I'm believing in that in those lyrics. That's got to be a huge every part time. of it
0: as an interpreter. I mean that's what you're doing. You're yeah. you're you're filtering that story through your own the X factor of you. Yeah, and that's
1: why I you know that's why I end up singing songs that I like to sing I, I don't generally choose a song unless, you know, there's very very, very few circumstances that I'm singing a song that I, I really hate this song but I'm going to sing it anyway because the crowd wants it I, I, don't, I just, you know, I just won't do it. I'll find something in the song that I like and most of the songs, you know you say the Blackfoot of a band uh, the Wild Rover, I sing a version of the Wild Rover that's totally different from, uh, from everybody else's uh, dirty old town uh, I when I was started doing solo work um, after Dermot died uh, when I was doing you know the stuff at O'Reilly's and stuff as, as a soloist you know I was always getting requests for dirty old town action I kind of liked the song but I didn't want to get involved doing it the way you know the way everybody else does it so I sort of sat back from it and looked at the lyrics and realised what the song was and, and, of course, read up about it and learned that it was about a town of, of the, the town of Salford in England. It uh, had been written by Ewan McCall. Um, he wrote it uh, as a commission for a play that had been written about Salford. Uh, the play was called Chimneys. Which describes the, the 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 pollution of the place, mm. and so literally dirty old town, dirty old town. Yeah. So yeah. he wrote the song. And, you know, a lot of people think it's an Irish song, and so he wrote this song. And in fact, uh, he, the first lyric he wrote was "Smelt the spring on the Salford wind," and apparently, people in Salford got pissed off at him. So that's why he changed. Salford isn't mentioned in the song you normally hear, but I stuck back in that lyric because I think it really means. A lot to identify the place in it, and I slowed it right down. I, I sing it as a real slow, emotional story about this guy's first, you know, chance at love in, in in this town, in a working class town. It's um, so yeah, and it works for me. It's it's a totally different song, right. and people hear it and they 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 come up and say, gee, I never never really listened to the lyrics before." Yeah. I says, "Well, listen again." The other thing that you'll hear about this song is that, really, it's a piece of prose. It's mm. not a rhyming
0: song at all. You realize you're ruining some drunk guy's <laughs> sing-along. He just wanted to swill his glass in the air. <laughs> but, you know, in the th- first line, I met my love by the gasworks wall, Dreamed a dream
1: by the old canal, Kissed my girl by the factory craft. I know. It's, there's no po It is not a. It is poetry, but it's it's pop prose poetry image right Im- yeah so, and yeah. the whole the, 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 the only repeating uh the the only repeating um rhyme in it is dirty old town
0: right right so, yeah so it's <laughs> there's a there's a springsteen bootleg where he's doing his slowed down version of born in the USA you know of course that's Vietnam yeah you know, super dark song yeah you know and uh and it's slide guitar and he's like you know blues riff and then sings a line then a blues riff you know it's it's doing that almost dylan-esque thing of like you don't know it's the song you don't know it's blown in the wind till he says blown in the wind you know in terms of how much he's changed not just the speed but the the melody almost the progression you know anyway so he uh he gets to the chorus and i and and there's one it's a live bootleg so you hear what he says i'm born in the usa and you hear someone in the crowd go (laughs) Woo. <laughs> and it always made me laugh because it's like pin drop silence. And it. It, it it makes me think of of that idea of someone going like, wow, I'd never really, I'd always thought born in the USA, fist pump. And then I actually listened to the lyrics and yeah. it, it changed, it changed how I was able yeah. to process this quote unquote party song that never yeah. was, you know?
1: Well, there's another, uh, there's another, I, I just discovered recently, uh, on YouTube, um, there's a uh, a version of Jolene by Dolly Parton. Slow down. Slow down. Uh. And that is extraordinary. Yeah. In that you know just you know the lyrics the same obviously and it's the same story but but just the the passion behind that sort of thing is, is the whole story of it you know that uh, it's uh, and it really brings that the lyric out to you you know it's instead of this sort of Jolene Jolene yeah. She's yeah. a what a, I mean. I, th- I heard oh. she wrote
0: that at maybe sixteen or something. Yeah, no, and, it's, uh, it's uh, she's amazing. It's
1: and uh, you know it's you know going back to dirty old town, going back to the night visiting song, like and that's what I do when I when I'm looking at a song or I'm looking at the melody of it, but also I'm really looking at the lyric to see where it's taken you and to emotionally where it's taken, taken, taken you to. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the songs, even though they're you know in especially in the irish pub scene uh because of the nature of the idea of what uh, irish music is people tend to jazz it up or and, and sing it just and then the lyric is just not taught about it. but if you really th- think back it's it's like um you know sometimes i i'll uh, if I'm doing a gig, say I I did a, uh, a series of gigs at the, at the rooms there uh, during the summertime, um, and basically what it was, you know, sitting in the corner singing songs and tourists and this and that and the other thing coming by, but you know and a couple people come up to me, a couple of local fellas come up to me and said, I "Love your music, only oh, I've had a beer in my hand now, you know." I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> be nice if you had a beer in your hand, but that's not what it's about. Yeah, <laughs> really, it's about the music and you I know mean, if, if, if you have a I've no objection to anybody having a beer but the fact that beer is automatically associated with the music is is is, is kind of Trojan and it's I mean <laughs> to some degree it's our own fault as Irish musicians and you know the Rhines fancy and the sons of the Gypsy and the sons of Aaron approach to the music was that sort of rowdy-dowdy stuff and but, uh, you know, you, I guess you always thought in your own mind you were sort of like, exposing the beauty
0: of the music even beyond the beer. <laughs> Let's talk more about that. I find that really, and I think you're an interesting person to speak to about this because you are the person who does uh, weekly gigs at O'Reilly's, like probably multiple times, right? How many times do you play a I week? play, when
1: I'm in town, I play a couple of times a week.
0: Yeah, so you're doing O'Reilly's pub and then you're going to the rooms and playing and that's kind of a... That's an interesting analogy for your career. You literally do, you know, all kinds of venues presenting the same music. And I think as someone who tries to do some of that myself, I've played in bars, schools and churches, like in everything in between. I think that that's a really, first of all, I think you probably have a really fascinating perspective on how the music works differently in all those places. And so I'm just curious your thoughts on yeah. Well, it's you know.
1: again as you say, every day is a new day, and and when you get on the stage, every day is a new day, and every venue and every gig is a different gig, and it's got you've got to work at it. You've got to, and it's I guess it's it's part of maintaining the career is being able to assess at, a, at very quickly as to what is not a, not what I shouldn't say what is required. But what is going to make this work the best for both you and the audience mm-hmm. who are there? And uh, so, yeah, you you just take it now. Admittedly, with the with the uh, with the O'Reillys gig, I I do early gigs, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm I am singing to a an audience that are mostly sober, uh, <laughs> mostly sober, that are sort of primed up for a rant and roar sort of thing. And being a soul, you know, solo thing, it's a it's a solo gig, so it's not. Expected to be a, a huge big drums and bass and sort of yahoo sort of situation, but at the same time, uh, during the summertime, you you know, even the early days, you are playing to a crowd that may or may not be listening. But funnily enough, I always find after I do shows at O'Reilly's, some people will come up and say, You know, really enjoyed it and enjoy that particular song, so the people are listening. So even with a crowd, if you've got, say, 100 people out there and 50 of them are not listening, uh, you know, 25 or somewhat listening, but you'll always get a certain amount of people who are interested and want to hear what you yeah. are doing. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you, go, of course, when you go to the rooms, it's uh, the Pin rooms a totally yeah. different idea.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm thinking about like uh, (laughs) almost ethnomusicology. You know, like a case study. Like let's say we're just talking about "Dirty Old Town," but you, the version you do of it, and how you perform it. I mean, if you were to go and do that at a pub versus the rooms versus like within the context of a school workshop when you're talking about it. Uh, I think it's actually interesting to think about the elements of that that translate universally, whatever that might be. Everyone's tapping their toe because it's a catchy melody. Maybe that's the universal aspect. Maybe there's others. And then the, the parts of that that work differently in those different environments. Like you playing that at the rooms, there's a chance that some of the imagery and the poetry, the conversations you're going to have after when someone comes up to you, it's probably going to be more of that. Yeah. The conversations at the pub might be more like, oh, I love that tune. Or I love that tune because, I don't know, it just reminds me of... So-. like." I, I wonder how different it would be from venue to venue.
1: Well, again, it goes back to your story about singing in the little Italian town. To me, uh, it goes back to the passion of the deliverer. Mm. If you... Sing and approach your craft uh, with emotion and you have that emotion within you to to be able to instill it in other people to to get your emotion over to other people that makes you more successful than somebody who's just up there doing it for whatever mm-hmm. uh, and I, I can't imagine I mean obviously anybody who gets up on stage loves to do it. I mean mm-hmm. you know the, I mean it's it's a, it's a, rush. a passion it's a yeah. it's a rush and it's a passion. But uh, like every time I sing a song, I generally, well, first of all, I, I approach it as though, you know, I, I know the song really well, but it, this is this is the moment, this is the time, I'm singing it the best kind of thing. And then the other thing for my own uh, self as well, when I'm singing it, uh, I'm always trying little sort of new ideas vocally and on my instrument. Mm. So that, again, makes it a challenge to a certain degree for me, but also it makes it more interesting for me, but not taking away from the passion of the delivery. Mm. But it is the passion. It's like, it's like um, you know, if you watch opera, you watch it's all in Italian. I don't understand Italian. Mm-hmm. But you see Pavarotti sing, and man, oh man, just... Not only the quality of the voice, but the passion—you can hear it. You can just hear it in, in down inside of them. You know, it's, it's. I think
0: people, I think people can subconsciously sense when you're confident enough that they know you're going to stick the landing properly, but you're also taking chances. I think people are yeah. willing to go. So if you're up there and you're trying new things, but it's within the safe comfort zone of. I've sang this song a thousand times. Maybe you've been to see me every week. I've sung it. I'm doing it a little different now. I think that's really exciting. I think that's one of the most compelling things. That when I see an artist do that, where it's, wow, they're going off on this tangent here. But like, I'm confident enough in the artist that they're gonna, yeah. they're gonna take me back to someplace. Yeah. Like I'm excited to go with them.
1: Yeah. And again, you like, you know, when you have an audience in front of you, uh, most of that audience are there to support you. They're not. <laughs> They're not hoping. They're not you're rooting gonna, for. Not, you know hope to, maybe you'll make a mistake this time or even <laughs> laugh at them kind of thing. They, you know, they're in ways they're as nervous as you are about the whole experience. That's right. And so they want you. They want you to succeed at what you're doing. It's uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a great job. I mean, Listen, huh? there is
0: yeah. one guy, Fergus, who has been coming to see you every week and spending a fortune waiting for you to fuck up just once. <laughs> yeah, right. That's it. He's he's yeah. in the back, and he's like, yeah. damn it, maybe next week. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk briefly about touring, because you have toured all over, um, and I'm curious how much of that has been, I mean, different formats. Obviously, Ryan's fancy, but then your own solo work and work with, with Jim – uh, tell me about that. You tour the island a lot. Uh, how much international? The a,
1: f- a, b- a fair bit. You know, there's not. I mean, obviously, there's only so many times you can go across the island. Uh, the schoolwork and stuff and projects at home have taken up more of our time than in 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 recent, you know, the last couple of years than than has been. But um, I mean, for a long time, myself and Jim were road warriors. We, you know, we would we would tour uh, in set. You know down in Canada, across in Europe, uh, down the States. And um, most of the time, I did all the booking. Mm. You know, I, I, I arranged all the bookings. How was that? The <laughs> it's just...
0: <laughs> how was how being on email and phone all day? How was that? I, well, it's, yeah, <laughs> this is the
1: fun part of it all. I mean, I still spend most of my day in a computer. You know, I spend yeah. way more time in computer than I do at music. And it's it's just the nature of the business. I mean, being a being a self-employed musician and not wanting to be expending a lot of expenses out to other people to a job that I can do. I mean, obviously, if I got to the level where I had to... If, if we were ever at a level where you had to go beyond that and, and, and hire other people to do it, yes, of course I would. But, mm-hmm. but in most cases, um, I've done all the booking. We always said I do the booking and Jim does the books. Mm. And uh, so, like... You know, when we would tour the states, for example, we'd take a John say down to Boston, and and you know, down along that coast, and doing doing concerts, house concerts. But at the same time, um, in many, on many occasions, uh, we would access schools and do school shows as well. Mm-hmm. So we were doing school shows during the day and gigs at night. Mm-hmm. So when we were on the road, we were working all the time. There was no. As, as little downtime as possible because you know the old adage, if you're not making money, you're spending you're money. It.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, you don't want to be spending money when you're on the road.
0: And that's an incredible combo. Like I've, I've done a little bit of that. I don't think I've done it to the extent you have. But I mean, to be honest, school workshops in the day in, in a town that you've never performed in and maybe you're playing, you know, an opening slot at a club or whatever that yeah. night to access the market. I mean, that's the difference between making money and losing money in that town maybe yeah. because of the workshop in the daytime. Yeah. It's the way oh, it, yeah,
1: no, and it's got to be done. You know, it's, it's, you know it's, as I said, if, I, if I'm on the road, I want to be coming home, money in my pocket. I don't want to be, you know, even though I love doing what I do, I'm certainly not going to do it for a loss. No, exactly. You know, I'll stay at home and, and do something else and, 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 you know, do something else related to music, obviously. Mm-hmm. But... Um, what kind of venues have you oh my goodness house concerts, small concerts uh, museums um, you know schools uh, some arranged like Michigan and say for example I've got a lot of family in Michigan uh, at, at the local yacht club at the local brew pub uh, over in England uh, small uh, small festivals and, and and night and not nightclubs small festivals and folk clubs and again school work and and uh, workshops, everything and anything really Yeah, that will
0: uh, will bring in revenue when you're on the road. So I think this is is a really interesting topic. I've talked about it a lot to artists from my perspective because I've done a similar thing. I've played lots of house concerts, what I've often just called alternative venues, which is one of those hilarious terms that both means and doesn't mean anything because what's an alternative venue? It's a church, it's a yeah. museum, it's whatever. Yeah. Um. But it is interesting because I think that, well, I mean, obviously this is what we're talking about. You can go on the road and do a tour and and make money and come home and have played for people and do those clubs. But at the same time, they are outside of, you know, to circle it back to what we're talking about with maybe the publicist manager long tail ducks in a row release. There are venues in all those same towns that go with that format, the industry with a capital I, the this is the club that you play at 7pm and split the bill with five acts and then if that goes well you can get move up to the Tuesday and eventually you'll be on Friday night you know the horseshoe in Toronto style model potentially of those venues to play and it's interesting because in a country that is ultimately quite small those two things those ecosystems exist parallel to each other like you can go out and do a type of tour and another artist doing that other sort of pop Pop way of doing it with you know uh, industry capital I can do another kind of tour and no venues will overlap. Yeah, like why is that?
1: <laughs> I, because I, I I don't know because I mean that's a that's in the pop world like what 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 we do as folk musicians I think myself and Jim we are obviously in a in a, in a niche that uh, that's related to that type of music and there are a certain amount of people out there who are interested in seeing what we do. And it's uh, at this stage in my career, I suppose you might say, uh, it's not geared towards making it, you know, what is the top? (laughs) You know, great question. It's, there is no top really in terms of a long-term longevity in this business. I mean, you know, you may, may, you may in the pop field make it to the top for, I don't know, six months, a year, and and then there's another, somebody else waiting in the wings to, to overshadow you, it's, and, you know, unless you're top of the top of the top, and then you just keep going, and then the whole industry sort of gravitates around you, but, uh, you know, I'd say 95% of musicians are the same as we are, we're just out there making, making work, and making jobs, and making music, and yeah. And uh, and uh, trying to remain true to oneself in terms of what one wants to be at in the music business. It's, you know, you don't want to be selling your soul to the devil.
0: Exactly. And I think that, you know, related specifically to this venue kind of thing I'm talking about, what's what's fascinating is like the what I'm describing, like for instance, you going and playing in a church somewhere, uh, that's not a... That's not a well. You're a folk musician, so that's what you do. And the pop musician has to play at the club downtown in Toronto. I mean, that's kind of what often happens. But it doesn't have to. Like those venues, it's not like it's a. This is a metal bar. You can't come play here. Yeah. It's not a genre specific thing. It's a, it's a venue choice. And I think that that reveals more of what you're talking about that yeah, it's actually a choice it's not a streamlined well we don't do metal so we can't go play at the metal bar this is actually like a choice of the type of concerts you want to put off
1: yeah and you know you're reaching the grassroots people when you're playing in those churches and, and, and basements of people's houses and, and little coffee shops you're really you're basically the ordinary people they're, they're not sold by the hype mm. they're not sold on the hype they're sold because they want to hear what you have to bring to them. Mm-hmm. They've heard you somewhere else, or somebody else has told them that, you know, you should go and see F- Jim and Fergus because you know they put on a nice show and they sing nice songs and, and and stuff like that. And they're 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 good people, they're nice people, and nice to hang out with and stuff like that. So you you know you tend to attract that sort of people around you, and then it just grows and and it develops, you know. And again, as I said, sometimes you'll go out in the road and you'll mm-hmm. sing. You know, you might go into a, a into a, a venue, a church venue, and you might have three or four hundred people there. And the next night, you're in a somebody's basement with half a dozen or a dozen people. Yeah, it's you know, yeah, you, but it, you're not going to say, "Well, oh, gee, because I didn't get that many people tonight, that's it. I'm giving it up." <laughs> you're going to, you know, what else are you going to do? It's it's uh, it's it's a lifestyle. Uh, you know, being a musician, especially being at it, why? Well, I'm 50 years now. full-time musician uh in between doing a bit of teaching and stuff like that but i consider myself a 50-year veteran of the music business um it's as much a lifestyle as it is anything it's it's just the way what i am Mm -hmm. uh it's not a job i'll retire from Mm -hmm. uh, as long as i can keep plugging away and doing projects and doing the and you know obviously my my uh my uh, path in life in terms of the music has changed, obviously being with the schools and, and doing the young folk and organizing and producing and, and not producing records and stuff, but producing events like that. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to to um, create uh, a living for myself by doing that. You know, for the first, uh, you know, with the young folk at the hall, it's 18 years in now. For the first uh, 12 years, 10 years here in town, it was a volunteer, a strictly volunteer. I did it, and, and, and that's why I chose January to do it in, mm-hmm. because it was a downtime for me, and I could give my time to it, organize it and stuff like that. And it's, uh, it's, it's graduated into, you know, there's a, a certain amount of, of uh, money comes in for it now. When I travel on the road, I'm supported. So I, it's almost like a, any sort of a project that you, you develop. And you get paid for your time for producing that product, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's. But it's it's it began with a passion for what I, what I saw as a need, out there that that kids should be exposed to music.
0: Yeah, no, it's a beautiful theme that seems to be running yeah, through your life that way. You know,
1: you know, it's just uh, and. I, I I can't say that you know I can't look back and when when I was twenty five years old and say okay this is the plan I have for down the road it's you, you and and I think that's again it's par for the course with with most musicians I think you and and it's it's a, a quality that that all of us in the arts I won't even say, not only in within music. It's probably even more difficult in, in, in the other forms of the arts. But uh, you, I don't think you, you set out. You obviously have a plan to, to try and make a living at it. But you're, you're able to roll with the punches and change your direction. And, and if something comes up and say, OK, well, yeah, I'll go down that road and see what's going to happen down there. And if it doesn't work, well, okay, I'll make a left turn and go down this road. Something's going to work down there, and you just keep and believing in yourself and believing in the in the the
0: the material you're working with. Hmm. Things work out. Yeah, it's funny. There's a lyric I've always thought about from Matt Good. He says, "Looking back, it seems so simple, but how we've done it, I couldn't say." And I think about that a lot when you know, even at this point in my life, looking back ten years oh, and yeah. going, "Wow, that seems seems like such a." like a line item now to describe this event that seemed so incomprehensibly complicated 10 years ago. Now is uh, that was a thing that we did. That's how yeah, we did it.
1: And it's like, um, you know, again, it, 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 it's like teaching. Uh, you, you know, you may you may be the most brilliant musician under the sun, but to try and impart how you do that and how it works... To another person who doesn't know anything about it, that's another scale altogether. And by doing that, you know, to to for for anybody who is a a qualified artist, no matter what genre, to then try to impart that to other people is a great exercise. Um, even if you're not good at it at the beginning, by developing. That, uh, that skill to be able to impart what you know to other people is, uh, is a great learning process for yourself. Mm-hmm. You learn so much about what you do as, as an artist, as a singer, as a player, whatever, by trying to show other people how to do it. Mm. You, you do learn a lot. You, I mean, it's amazing how much you really realize the thought process of what, what you're doing Uh, you do it automatically, but then when you have to say, okay, well, this is how it works, and then you're thinking, well, how does it work? I think.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah. To bring this to a close, uh, Fergus, tell me about a typical day in the life right now for you. What does it look like?
1: Every day is different. Uh, Most days is computer work. You know, get up in the morning, check emails, uh, look at the projects I'm working on, looking at deadlines, uh, thinking about, uh, you know, Going on the road now, for example, thinking about going on the road the next couple of weeks on and off with Jim. And, uh, Where are you going? Uh, going down to Cowhead to do a school
0: project. Nice.
1: And then we come back for the weekend and then we're going out to um, Vancouver Island for a week. Oh, beautiful. and uh, five gigs out there. Nice. And what?
0: What are they? House concerts? Are they? No, uh, getting... no
1: the, the one of them is uh, we've been out. It's the third time out there to a place called Knox uh, United Church. It's in Parksville. Uh, I went out there three years ago on the request of some friends of mine who were involved with the church mm-hmm. to uh, do a partial fundraiser for uh, for they were putting in this fabulous organ. There's, the organist Jenny Vincent is a brilliant, brilliant musician. Anyway, they want they were fundraising, and I said, "Sure, if you think if you think I can help, and you can pay me money to be out there, by all means." So we went out, and they just sold out four hundred people the first night. I was first night, so myself and Jim went back last year, sold out again, four hundred people. Mm. So this time we're going out and doing that, and we're also going up to Courtney to do a concert up there, mm. uh, and then we're doing a gig in Salt Spring, uh, in a in a. In a and a pub there. And then we're going over and singing a, a gig in Gabriola Island in a boatyard.
0: Mm, cool. So, you know, it's, now it's here's, like, here's a, a quick detour based on what you just described. So all of that sounds great. And I know it is, and I've had this moment where I've described similar type of tours to people or jaunts, and they've gone, that sounds dreamy, but we both know, what that takes. We referenced it. You're on the computer all day. Oh, yeah. Every year is that, year after year. How have you managed to Keep the fire alive. Keep the doldrums away. Keep the the cynicism away that is inevitably part of the peaks and valleys of – it's it's not cynicism when you're there doing the gigs and everything's great. It's the cynicism when you come home and you're like back to the email grind for when we're going to do this again three months down the road or whenever it is.
1: Well, it's, it's, it is it's a grind and it's not a grind. I mean, it's a um, – I, I have the skill. I know I have the skill to do it. It's a challenge to do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um quite often it's uh, i you know nerves are coming up towards when projects are just coming online your stomach is starting to growl and you're nervous and you're hoping this is going to happen this is going to happen even though it, every time it happens you say yeah well sure of course it was going to happen why wouldn't it and then the next time it comes around it's it's a, it's a rush mm-hmm. uh, that that uh, but also uh, being in control of one's own destiny it, within within that uh preparing for stuff like that mm. like this week I, and you know again talking about being on the computer but like this week i did about half a dozen interviews with various radio stations and papers out there just trying to plug their shows and stuff like that and uh always looking to see where where i can get pr and you know it's it's uh and then, uh, you know, working on some stuff. Myself and Jim are working on a recording. Jim's got another recording project on the go that he's working on that he got me involved in. Um, so, you know, learning the music for that and looking at the music for that. And then just going, looking through old songbooks, books, looking for, and thinking, well, one of these days, another song is going to jump out and say, oh, this is the song, yeah, this is another right. good song to do. So, right. Uh, so it's... Um, it's uh, every day is a new day and every day is different. And that's, I guess, what keeps the, the spark alive, really. It's because you never know from day to day what's going to happen. Right. And it's we're only coming this way once. You may as well uh, make the best of it because uh, there's no second chances. And it's, it's I, I don't know what I want a second chance, but uh, just the idea of, of going at it and, and enjoying it as you go and, and taking the ups and downs of it all.
0: Yeah. Well, that's as good a note as any, maybe, to close off Indeed, yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Fergus. I really appreciate it. More the ups than the downs, though. The ups, yeah. (laughs) It's a good note, an up note to end on.
1: Well, thank you for this. It's great. I'm I'm hoping some people will uh, lend an ear and uh, tarry a while.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Thank you okay that's it and how cool was that how cool was it that he sang that song i wish more guests would just randomly sing in the middle of our conversations maybe we should all randomly sing in the middle of our conversations that would probably generally make the world a better place wouldn't it thanks so much for listening tune in next thursday when my guest will be filmmaker justin sims see you then